0: We have Bob Iaccino, the founder of the Chief Strategist of Path Trading Partners, joining us to talk financial markets. Bob, welcome. Good morning to you. We heard from the president last night. He uh, addressed some of the inflationary pressures that Americans have been feeling. Uh, He said his plan was to uh, ease some of those uh, pressures by not bringing down wages, but bringing down costs. A tough task with crude at $110 a barrel.
1: Well, there's two parts about that particular statement, and I don't like to get political, but I don't know how you raise wages and bring down costs in an economy that is 70% service economy when commodities are screaming in price. Yeah. So you put all those things together, and yeah. it just seems like, like a mid-term. promise you can't fulfill. Yeah, I mean, it's midterm talk, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't fault him for that. I mean, he's he's got to do the State of the Union, It's not— let me rephrase that. It's not the first president we've ever seen make promises that can't necessarily be fulfilled as we're approaching a midterm. Uh, the equation just doesn't make sense. Yeah, understood. And I think that's why you're seeing uh, some of the things we're seeing. You, you know, I'm sure you've already mentioned the treasuries, uh, the volatility that we've seen in the treasuries, and just the yield swings that we've seen just over the last three days. I mean, 197 on the 25th for the 10 year, uh, 183, 172, then 177. I mean, those are, you, you've been watching the treasury as long as I have yeah. Been, maybe even, uh, well, probably not as long, but those are swings you don't see over four days. We've got the twos, 10 year yield curve spread. So that's two year yield minus the 10 year yield at the lowest since basically March, 2020, which was the pandemic recession you got the 2s, 10s yield curve at about 35 basis points as I speak to you right now. That could change as the day goes on. 10s, 30s, 37. 2s, uh, 30s, 72. These are recessionary yield curve levels yeah. when we're yeah. exiting the pandemic recession. So treasuries is a big part of what's going on, and likely we're seeing a little bit of a bid to the equities this morning because rates are moving a little higher. But remember, the the sort of uh, bullish Flattener is not really what you want to see. The bearish steepener that we saw during the day yesterday is better than the bullish flattener for the overall view of the economy, and that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Bob, talk to me
0: about uh, the situation in Europe, uh, Russia, Ukraine, in terms of the impact Mm -hmm. it's having on some of the currencies, whether it's some of the pairs we look at or these individual products. The U.S. dollar has been getting a little bit of a lift, but you look at, like, the euro versus the Swiss. I mean, uh, you look at the ruble versus the dollar, obviously, obviously at record lows. I mean, that goes without saying uh, the impact that we've seen there. But, I mean, this is creating uh, some waves across financial markets. To say, the least currency markets, I should be more specific.
1: Yeah, we could move away from even looking at a U.S. dollar versus the ruble for the foreseeable future. I don't even know when you would be able to trade that again. I haven't traded that in years, to be honest, just because of the instability of the region. Uh, remember, when you're trading currencies in an odd way, you're trading shares of an economy of the underlying currency. Mm-hmm. Right, so to be trading the ruble to me, unless you're short it, mm-hmm. uh, is a difficult thing to do. Having said that, it, it puts the ECB again in a really bad position, given what's going on with. Let's just let's just look at the uh, euro in general, right? You have the euro dollar future up there. Uh, that's a situation now where. The ECB may need to act to do something, and in this point, it's likely not increasing the likelihood of raising rates, it's more likely intervention, and I'm not necessarily predicting that. I'm talking about things that we've seen in the past, right? When you see a euro falling like it is, the euro, obviously, the EU, I should say, is going to be affected the most economically if the conflict continues. Uh, from an energy standpoint. And again, when you look at it, and this, again, is something that we forget, is that when you invest in a currency, you're theoretically investing in a share of that country's economy. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that not knowing what's going to happen with this conflict and the uncertainties that surround it. And you're seeing the the euro pay for that. And you're seeing a similar effect. And for example, the Swiss, right? This, the Swiss have been, I mean, usually a neutral country. They kind of took the... Uh, Let's just call it NATO's side. And the Swiss rallied until the announcement of the NATO side that they were taking. And then that fell as well. You look at a country like the Netherlands, where they get almost 80% of their energy from Russia. It's a very difficult thing. And it almost forces currency investors to exit and go to cash, oddly enough, a currency. And that cash is likely to be the US dollar until we get some clarification as to what direction this conflict might go in.
0: You know, I'm curious what you're seeing in terms of some of the Asia-Pacific currencies, a great breakdown in terms of European uh, uh, markets to watch there. But you've got Hong Kong, 50,000 COVID cases reported. I mean, all time highs there. Uh, You've got some of the Asia-Pacific currencies like the Aussie, the New Zealand dollar, which have firmed some on these commodity rallies that we've seen. But in terms of these markets, what are you watching
1: Yeah, again, like when you're looking, first of all, I smirked when you brought up COVID because we haven't heard about COVID for three or four days and its effect on economies. And that, again, is why we're seeing such strong moves in the U.S. dollar. I mean, there's other factors affecting. Yes, Australia, Canada, you can look at those currencies and think, well, the prices of the commodities that those... Uh, economies are theoretically based in is going up. And in the case of Australia, uh, one of their large trading partners is China. And how involved is China going to get? There's already speculation about uh, what's going on in Ukraine being somewhat emboldening, or emboldening China with the South China Seas and Taiwan. I'm not a geopolitical analyst. I don't know if that's the case or not. But you would think you would have seen a stronger rally in the Aussie, given what's going on with the commodities. And we did initially. The first three days, you look at February 25th, 26th, even the, 20, um, uh, the 28th, those strong moves that we saw in the Aussie. But now it's kind of stalled. And that could in part be because we don't know what direction the entire conflict is going to take. China actually, I think, did a good job considering the position that they're in of being as neutral as they could be. They abstained from the UN vote. Rather than criticizing and rather than supporting, they basically abstained, which I think was a tacit way of them not agreeing with what's going on in Russia, Ukraine. And they're talking to Russia and the Ukraine as well about getting back and re-engaging in negotiations. So I think for the position that they're in, I'm not defending China, I'm not taking a stance on the conflict at this particular time, I'm wearing yellow. But um, when you look at it from that perspective, they've done a pretty good job in terms of keeping their sort of economy flowing while this is going on. And they're stimulating, which is going to help Australia and uh, in terms of the currency and and the way that that economy reacts to what's going on. You know,
0: China really stood out to me last week, this week in terms of their stance. And I read something this morning which really stood out. The Foreign Minister Wang, I read, said he deplores the outbreak of conflict between Ukraine and Russia, and it seemed like for the first time yesterday they were a bit willing to reference it as war. So. I guess, a step in the right direction in many ways, ultimately, in terms of possibly resolving this conflict. Uh, Maybe if China were to step up a little bit more, uh, that would help things out here. Uh, Bob, talk to me in terms of Bitcoin. Lastly, as far as what we've been seeing there, because uh, it had weakened, but it seems like uh, maybe a safe haven type product, the bid we've seen over the last couple of days. Or we've also heard talk about how uh, Russians are trying to convert some of their currency into something that I hate to say would be a bit more stable than uh, the ruble. I mean, you saw 20, uh, a basis point rate hike, uh, or rates at uh, 20 basis point rate, rates to 20 uh, percent in Russia. I mean, ultimately, a huge rate hike to try and firm up the currency. It doesn't seem to have helped much. It seems like, uh, but ultimately, what are you seeing as far as crypto? That uh, risk on, risk off type dynamic and the bid that's come back into play the last couple of days.
1: Well, I was unwilling to say this to you last week. I think when I talked to you last week, I told you I have a little bit of a theory. Um, And let's go ahead and say it this time, if you're an emerging market and you're watching, A, what Canada did to citizens where they seized assets with no trial, I'm not saying whether they should have been seized or not, I'm just saying they went into an emergency mode and seized assets, uh, including currency, capital. And then you look at what the West is able to do to Russia squeezing out their central bank because the economy is so dollar-based. Can you think of a better thesis for owning Bitcoin if you're an emerging market? I can't, uh, especially if you're an emerging market that doesn't directly align with the West. Um, I, I suspect a lot of emerging markets, whether it be Iran, um, Venezuela is already kind of in that situation. Uh, maybe some countries like Cuba and these others that n- don't directly align with the West, maybe to a certain degree, Syria might start to try and divest themselves of U.S. assets, Mm. of Western assets, Mm. Uh, and get involved in Bitcoin. Western assets other than the U.S.
0: dollar, it sounds like you're saying. I mean, we've heard about unintended consequences amidst these uh, uh, military actions uh, in Ukraine, but also Biden's been very clear unintended consequences in terms of sanctions on us as Americans, ultimately. Uh, Is this potentially a tipping point for the U.S. dollar as the uh, global world currency?
1: I think there'll be some actions, let me phrase this correctly, I think there'll be some actions taken so that that doesn't happen, and they're likely to work in the short to medium term. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're somebody who supports decentralization... Yeah, uh, this could be the beginning of the end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is a movie showing why there maybe should be.
0: Bob, always appreciate you joining us here, especially this Wednesday morning. Thanks for giving us part of yours. Bob Iaccino, the founder of the Chief Strategist of Path Trading Partners.